All right, nice. So I, was, I thought I'd just start off with some quick fire questions just to get started. Uh, so in a couple of words, maybe a sentence, favorite country in Central America? Uh, probably Nicaragua. Biggest fear? Losing my passport. Time you thought you had lost your passport, wallet or phone? Oh, I lost, I actually lost like my hard drive. Um, I left it in a hostel in Panama and oh. I had gone on to my next stop and I had to actually like turn around. When I got there, I spent one night, I had to turn around and go back to my, uh, my last hostel to pick it up. And that was your first location? Yeah, well, it was... Uh, so I'd left Panama City and I was in a small town, uh, David. And then I'd left David and gone on uh, up into, do you know, the Lost and Found Hostel? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the one up in the mountains. I was up there and I had to turn around and go back down. It took me like three hours. <laughs> uh, worst hostel you've ever stayed at? Oh, there was one in Oaxaca City. And it wasn't like... It wasn't terrible, but the people that were working there were basically using it as like a party spot, and it wasn't like advertised as like a party hostel, and it wasn't it wasn't a bar or anything. But they were all just like drinking and smoking weed and blaring music until like three in the morning. That's not ideal. Uh, one thing you couldn't live without in Central America. Um. Oh, it's probably like sun cream. Uh, or one like th- a bug spray or something like that. Yeah. Well, one thing you wish you had bought but didn't. Um. More sun cream because it's actually really expensive out there. Uh, skydive or bungee jump? Ah. Uh, probably skydive. Uh, toughest part about long bus journeys. Occupying yourself. Uh, and finally, scariest border crossing. Um, it wasn't scary, but it was really frustrating crossing into Mexico. They let it was really early in the morning, and there was obviously people going across the border to work, and they let like all of them ahead of me, and I was the last person getting onto the bus, so they all had to wait for me. Oh. Right, you've kind of already briefly explained it, but go for it first. Just what route you took through Central America. So you flew into Panama? Yeah, flew into Panama City, made my way up through Panama, uh, stopped in a little small town, David, up to Bocas del Toro, then through Costa Rica, only spent a week in Costa Rica, did Puerto Viejo, San Jose, and Playa del Coco, then up into Nicaragua, San Juan del Sur, uh, Ometepe, what was after Ometepe? Uh, Leon, then Granada, or Granada, then Leon, uh, up into El Salvador, spent one night in El Tunco because it cost me like $40 for one room. Uh, it was like the weekend and there was nothing free. Then up into Santa Ana in El Salvador, then flew from San Salvador to um, not Tegucigalpa to Honduras. Um, oh, I'm blanking on the <laughs> San Pedro San Pedro Sula. That was it. Uh, oh right, really? San Pedro Sula. 
yeah, yeah, flew into San Pedro Sula and got like a bus out to La Ceiba, which is like the little port town, and got a boat out to Utila. And then, go on, sorry. And, you, and then you made your way into Mexico? Uh, then made my way up into Guatemala. Guatemala. So like had to double back on myself, say, and then go back up to San Pedro Sula to, I was going to the Copan Ruins. Oh yeah. Up in like Northern Honduras and then crossed over into Guatemala. And what would you say was your like fi- favourite place? Which place would you go back to? Um, Probably Nicaragua. I probably didn't spend long enough there and I should have. See, I heard it's one of like the cheapest cheapest places in, in Central America. Was it safe though? Did yeah. you feel? Yeah, I didn't feel unsafe at all. And like we went out as well. Like San Juan del Sur is um, like your typical like surfery, like uh, laid back kind of place. But then the likes of Granada and Leon were these really nice little colonial towns. And Ometepe is like a two volcanoes on a lake um, and it's just like mad there's like there's a half the island has like proper roads half the island doesn't um, yeah like really cool if you want to like hike and things like that okay because I was gonna go up into Nicaragua but I couldn't because it was on our uh, like the government said don't go at the point where I was going uh, so I couldn't actually get in at that point because of Covid I think uh, yeah, so I had to go straight into Costa Rica and spend longer in Costa Rica, but it meant that I uh, had to spend a long time in San Jose uh, because all the buses in Costa Rica just kind of all diverted into San Jose, and I thought that was like I couldn't stick the place. It was it felt really unsafe and built up, and there was nothing there. What did you think of it? That's, yeah, I was actually going to ask you about San Jose. I yeah, that was I didn't like it. Um, I spent two nights there and. Like you said, if buses didn't have to go through there, I probably wouldn't have stayed. But I was speaking to one lad in Panama, and he said, oh, no, uh, like, take your time in San Jose and like go to museums and things like that. And I remember I got off the bus uh, at the bus stop, and I checked. I like downloaded like offline Google Maps. I'm not sure. What did you use? Like, yeah, I used that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I had like San Jose downloaded, and I like put in the hostel. And I was like, oh, that's grand. It's only a 15-minute walk. Like, So I was walking through the city, and I was like, this isn't nice. It's just, like, rubbish. It is. Uh, like, half the places are, like, closed down, boarded up. Maybe, now, I'm not sure. Did you find, like, a, I don't know, your equivalent to, like, Oxford Street in London or uh, O'Connell Street in Dublin? Was there one of them? No, I couldn't find anything. I found I didn't even did a walking tour, and there was the, the the guy didn't really know what to show us. It was just this tiny little park, or or the main the, the main square was uh, all it had was McDonald's, Starbucks, and it just didn't feel like Costa Rica, Costa Rica at all. Uh, especially if it was my first location, so I was expecting something like amazing. You hear Costa Rica's old parks and stuff, and then you see that, and you you're not impressed. Yeah, did you make your way up into Monteverde or La Fortuna? I did eventually. Uh, what happened was I did a, I did like a turtle conservation project uh, near oh, okay. Tortuego National Park. Uh, so I was there for a week, or I was meant to be there for a week. I ended up leaving early, uh, but then I had to go back to San Jose and up to Monteverde. So I did 
I made my way in Costa Rica. So I spent about three three weeks there, I think, uh, just because I couldn't spend more time in uh, Nicaragua. Yeah, I get you. And like, so I I really enjoyed like Playa del Coco because it was like by the beach, really like chilled out. But I I wish I got a chance to go to like La Fortuna or Monteverde. But I found it very expensive. It to do how, anything, yeah. Yeah, like how did you find the like? Did you find it tough to like budget there, or were you budgeting? Uh, I definitely found it way hard to budget in Costa Rica. I went, I so in Costa Rica, I did Monteverde, uh, Manuel Antonio, Vita, and also this turtle conservation project. But to get from Monteverde to Manuel Antonio, which is quite kind of like a big tourist route, there was no buses, so I had to get a private shuttle, which cost about forty forty pounds. Uh, yeah. which was just it's just silly money for Central America you'd never expect to spend that much on basically anything when you're thinking hostels are about 13 a night uh, so that wasn't good but but Monteverde was definitely worth it There's so, there was so much to do I did this zip line where you went across the entire canopy and basically finished with this kind of bungee jump but you go head uh, feet first rather than head first yeah uh, that was insane uh, yeah I've seen a few videos of that um, but like I just yeah I I had to get through it because mm. the the price of it was just I found it like way too expensive. It was it was silly money and I I eventually got out and went to Panama uh, pretty quickly. The issue was I booked my hostels too far in advance that I, I would have had to cancel them and just lost the money. Uh, so yeah, I I did head into Panama uh, eventually because everyone kept telling me it was expensive, but I didn't realize quite how expensive it was. Uh, Costa Rica. Yes. Yeah, I was the same. Uh, like, people said, like, oh, it's uh, it's like a little bit more expensive than Panama. But I thought Panama was okay because it was very easy to find, like you said, like hostels thirteen quid a night, um, food like two three dollars a meal, and I found that like easy enough to find in Panama. Towards in Costa Rica, especially like San Jose and then Playa del Coco, I found it very tough to find stuff for that price. Mm, it was all like. And what, 20, yeah. Quid and what would you say for tips to to eat in these Central American countries to keep it to keep it cheap? Because obviously you can go to restaurants, but they're kind of like home prices. They're not too far off. Uh, in some of the destinations, that we'd pay about ten, eleven quid for for just a basic meal. What would you say to keep to keep it down? Yeah, so like you did in San Jose, I'd say do a walking tour. If you're in like these popular places, do a walking tour because. The person showing you around did you do any except for in san jose did you do more of them uh i only did i did in guatemala in antigua as well uh but yeah. that was it and in antigua did i show you the like the it was like a little shop on the corner or it was a little like restaurant in the corner and you walk in there was like the open fire with, like, yeah, the yeah, went, yeah 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 um, so i'd recommend doing a walking tour and then the person showing you around will show you where the locals eat mm. and that's generally going to be the best place to go or if you're in uh where was it in uh san cristobal there was like a, like quite a busy like main street and i would say go two or three streets over and then you'll find like the lesser expensive 
restaurants, mm. basically. Because in, uh, I agree. In I think that was mainly in Mexico for me. I saw that I did the Yucatan, so I went to Tulum, Playa del Carmen, and Cancun. Uh, and the main strip was so expensive, but all you had to do was just go three blocks, as they call them, away uh, from the street, yeah. and it's just cheap. It's we had like a fifty p pizza, fifty cent pizza. It was, it was insane the price difference, uh, just from just from going off the main street. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about um, what your opinion on that like Yucatan area was, because I actually didn't, I didn't get to go there. I had sort of two options when I was leaving Guatemala. I was like, okay, I can do Yucatan and then fly out to Cancun, or I can go like left, do like San Cristobal, Oaxaca, uh, Puerto Escondido, and Mexico City, and then fly out to Mexico City. So eventually, or like I ended up doing that one. So I was going to ask, what was your opinion on? the Yucatan area because I've heard like mixed ones yeah I've I've also heard mixed ones so I didn't really know what to expect I I flew into Cancun immediately didn't like it it was it was it felt like a it is a made-up city they they built it just for tourists uh what they did was the Mexican government they chose the ideal location for a tourist resort for Americans and that was it based on geography on sharks on all different stuff and basically just built up a tourist industry purposely for it uh, and you can tell so easily it's high rise. There's a big, there's lots of tension between the locals and the tourists, especially at the time I went at Easter. So I headed down to Tulum uh, to Playa del Carmen pretty quickly. But even there, it's it was kind of, it was what I'd expect an American. I've never been to the US, but it's what I'd expect an American uh, kind of like holiday retreat to be. It was, uh, it wasn't particularly clean. It was very, it it felt very touristy. There was no like locals around really there was lots of scams lots of scam taxis that weren't using proper meters um the the prices by the beach and on the strip were ridiculously high compared to the rest of mexico and especially found that when i went inland to i did the wonder of the world uh the chichen itza and you stop off at a little colonial town on the way and that was that was insane like that was completely different from cancun and tulum uh yeah it was the difference is mad and we only drove about two hours yeah because when people like describe like playing El Carmen or uh, Cancun like I was just thinking it's completely different to like the little town that you were in like you get to into like San Cristobal and there's very few two-story buildings majority yeah. of them are like bungalows like there's no real like high-rise buildings or anything like that I only started to see them in uh, there's a few in like Puerto Escondido and but I imagine that's similar they're like big apartment blocks for people to stay in mm. and then obviously in uh, Mexico City as well but yeah other than that like in the smaller like, colonial towns you don't you don't see that sort of stuff no you don't do you, you, all it is is just low rise I especially found that in Belize when we crossed the border uh, because we finished in Bacalar in Mexico which is a little it's the up and coming uh, Tulum yeah, but we crossed yeah. the border and there were these little huts uh, on the side of the road and it looked like you'd just gone, come into a completely different part of the world, not just crossed an imaginary border uh, into into Belize. It was The difference is insane between those two countries, I think. Why did you say imaginary border? Well, I said imaginary border because the border, I think, isn't actually... Well, it's, I think it's debated. Obviously, you do cross cross the border but i'm pretty sure it's a debated one between those two countries that that might be belize and guatemala that it is 
did you did you have to go through like passport control? Yeah, you did have to go through passport control. Yeah. But there was like a there was a there was a brief area on both sides of the border that you didn't have to go through passport control. It, it was much wider than usual, and people lived in the in this kind of the gap between both the borders because it was quite. I think it's heavily debated. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like a like a no man's land yeah. kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's I about it. ten twenty kilometers. It's quite. I think there were a couple of towns in it. And what was what way were you traveling between borders? Were you getting shuttles or were you just taking like local buses and then walking? Uh, we had to. That one was a bus. Uh, a couple you could just walk. Uh, I didn't really have any problems at borders, to be honest, apart from in Panama, uh, where I took a long bus from San Jose to Panama City. So I just jumped all the way through. Uh, but apart from that, uh, I made, you could either just walk. Uh, there weren't. It wasn't far, was it? It was a couple hundred meters uh, between both the checkpoints. Yeah. Uh, or some of them, they just put on a bus between both the borders. Um, you got a bus from San Jose to Panama City. <laughs> yes, that was. How long was that? I think it took twenty-one hours. Yeah, that oh was. It, that was a shocker because I booked my flight back before I'd left uh for central america from panama city and i spent longer in costa rica than than i thought uh so i didn't have time and it was the easter weekend and that's one thing i'd say if you go at the easter weekend you everything shuts down uh you didn't go at that time did you no i was out there i was in guatemala um but i found that uh everything is so much more expensive like we have a we ended up staying in Antigua a few times because we were kind of going up and down through the country um, or we kind of doubled back on ourselves. Um, so when we left Guatemala, we knew that Easter weekend we were going to, or when we left Antigua, we knew that Easter weekend we were going to end up back there. So the hostel that we left was like all these tents inside. I don't, I'm not sure where you stayed in Antigua now. But this one was called La Gaceta and they had all these tents inside and you it was basically like having a double bed. It was class. I, I really enjoyed it. And it was cheap as well. So when we were leaving, we booked in, there was like six of us together at that time. We all said, Can we book like six people in for the Friday, Saturday and Sunday of Easter weekend? Yeah, no problem. And then they gave us a price and we were like perfect and we left. And then when we came back they were like, oh no, uh, we can't give you that price because it's Easter, everything's more expensive. And we were like, ah, come on, like you can't agree on a price and then just like change it. So we like met like halfway, but we ended up paying like way more than we were meant to. Plus one of the girls uh, ended up sleeping on a couch because they didn't have a tent for her. That is rough. Yeah. Yeah. So, really, I... so if you're gonna go, obviously, if you're traveling, it's the perfect time to travel Central America, isn't it? Between January and early summer, uh, because yeah. you avoid the rainy season. What would you say to avoid that situation? Book so far in advance just for that weekend. Yeah, like if, I mean, you can always chance it and just show up, and a lot of the time it does work out for people. No, it didn't work out for me in El Tunco, on just like a random weekend because it's really popular. So I would say if it's going to be a holiday or if it's a really popular place, like the likes of um, Tamarindo in Costa Rica is like really popular for surfers or El Tunco in El Salvador. Yeah, you're going to have to book in advance or 
bring a hammock and ask if you can tie it up. <laughs> yeah, go get desperate. You will, because yeah, like the, there isn't really another option because it's become so popular. I suppose, especially the time we went, because majority of the world was closed. Um, especially, I'd say a lot of people would have been looking to go to Southeast Asia, but they couldn't. I know that was my plan. Yeah, that was my plan as well. Yeah, and I couldn't go, so I obviously settled on Central America, and it sounded from the people that I spoke to, like, that was a lot of people's plans, was uh, Southeast Asia, or like Europe, but they couldn't do it, so they ended up in Central America, plus they had had a pandemic for like two years, and loads of the places were closed, so now you have like three times the amount of people with like half the amount of accommodation. So you have to book in advance mm. if uh, if you end up in a situation like that. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. I Luckily, I was in Panama City, which has quite a lot of accommodation, so it didn't really raise yeah. the prices that much. But I can imagine in the small towns where there's only a couple of hostels, it really does skyrocket. Oh, like when I landed in El Tunco, I was after getting a... I was told it would take five hours on boat from uh, Nicaragua. So, like, I had two options. I could take a bus that went through a part of Honduras and then into El Salvador, or I could get a boat that skipped Honduras and went straight from Nicaragua to El Salvador. And I was told it would take, like, a third of the time. So I was like, perfect, I'll I'll do that. Um, it was quite expensive. It was, like, 80 euro or something like that to do it. Um, but I was like, look, save me the hassle. I'll get to that. Um, I'll get to El Tunco with like loads of time. And I got there after 13 hours. But it was meant to be like five. And I think that's another problem with a lot of these like border crossings. Sometimes you don't know how long it's going to take. Like I was 10 minutes going through the one in Guatemala. But the one into Mexico, I ended up waiting ages because they decided to let all the locals in ahead of me. And yeah, if you're planning like a border crossing, I'd say leave early. So I like ended up in this town and or I ended up in El Tunco and couldn't find any hostels. Like all of them were like booked up and then had to fork out 40 quid for a private room. And people hearing it might say 40 quid, that's not much. But compared to the average hostel price, that's like four times the price of what you'd expect to pay. Yeah. Uh, to put in perspective, you'd, you'd try and spend about five dollars on like one meal for example it's 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 expensive for the local area and that forty dollars is what you then spend on like a more expensive activity or or something exactly. to take up multiple days yeah or like um i think hiking a castango was like thirty dollars and that's like an overnight stay mm-hmm. in like a hut Um, you have like a guide and things like that so yeah, when you're trying to like save money, like forty dollars for accommodation, especially in El Salvador, where the rest of them were like, like when I went to Santa Ana, I think it was six euro a night, and that like, so the contrast in them prices is absolutely outrageous, but it's because it was a popular area, weekend, and it's known for parties, so just all the accommodation gets like swept up, and on Honduras, on El Salvador. I, I didn't go, but I got the impression, like, that, uh, what was the the place you flew into? That It's known as the murder capital of the world, isn't it? Um, oh, yeah. Um, like, Tegucigalpa is the capital of Honduras. And 
then San Pedro Sula is the place that I flew into. Because mm. I've heard... No, I didn't... Go on. Because I've heard like pretty bad stuff about that is it the same did you feel safe what would you say to people that are doing the full central america and need to go through those to connect buses and stuff and so i used it as a connection and it's like the infrastructure there is really good like they are they're big built-up cities in terms of walking around and staying the night i i wouldn't be too keen on it um my cousin uh, he has a friend from Honduras, so I was texting him, and he basically said, "Look, the cities are pretty boring." And he he's from Tegucigalpa. He's saying cities are pretty boring. Uh, everything closes really early, and there's there's nothing to do. So I see it as what's what's the point? There's no need to stay in those cities unless there's nice museums and things like that. That's not really my thing, but. Uh, if you're into that, maybe there is a museum or two to go see. But for transit, I, I found it perfectly fine. You get into San Pedro Sula, so we flew into the airport and got a taxi or an Uber out to this like huge bus terminal. The bus terminal is nearly the size of the airport. And they're, they're, they're really nice and they have all like the signs. They have like different kiosks for each like bus company. And then it's just like labeled above company it's for you pass through um the same for san salvador um we only used it for transit but uh one of the girls millie uh she actually she actually stayed there she had to go to like the the uh what do you call it the embassy she had to go to the the british embassy in uh, san salvador so she was actually there for a while and she said it was fine so it probably gets more of a negative impression, obviously, on the news. You only hear about the about certain parts of it. Uh, but I think also, when I was there, uh, they closed El Salvador like a state of emergency at that point uh, because they had the highest number of murders in a day or something. But that's the, only, that's the only impression you really hear about these countries. Did you say you went to the Copan ruins as well? And did you feel pretty safe there? Because that's a touristy spot, isn't it? Yeah, like Copan, Copan was perfect. Uh, that... The, so I was in El Salvador the week before that happened and I was then in Honduras when when that happened um, the government decided to crack down on gang violence and basically the gangs in retaliation were like trying to show the government that they can't control them so the impression that you get is that oh, the whole country is dangerous but in reality, it's like such a small minority of people like basically fighting themselves. A lot, majority of it is gang on gang violence. And unfortunately, we don't hear about the other 98% of the, realistically, it's probably more than that, but like the other 98% of the country, that's like perfectly nice. When I was in Santa Ana, the owners of the hostel like took us out for drinks. There was a quinceanera going on. The hostel like used to host events. And there was a quinceanera going on and the parents came in and were like, oh, come out and have a drink and party with us. And then they brought us to like their local pub afterwards. And um, when we were in Honduras, we were in this German bar. So there's a German guy staying in our hostel and he wanted to go to it. So we were like, yeah, we'll go. Got chatting to like a group of like 10, they were about 19, 20 year olds. And uh, afterwards they were like, oh, do you want to come to like a late night bar? And they gave us a lift and everything. So you don't hear about 
the really like the genuine nice people in these countries the impression you get on the media is gang violence and murder capital of the world when in reality that's like such a tiny proportion of what's going on in the country and did that did that influence make you obviously we'll talk about solo traveling in a bit but that did did that put your guard up even more did you take up did you take any precautions beyond being in those those two countries I suppose um, not being out aimlessly at night. Mm. So, like, if you're going, if you need to go somewhere in the evening, or if you need to go somewhere when it's dark and lay out, go with someone. Um, I kind of I put it as like, I, I don't know Dublin. Like, I'm not from Dublin. I don't know Dublin like the back of my hand. So, for me to stroll around Dublin at three o'clock in the morning drunk would be a very stupid thing to do because i don't know where i'm going mm. but if i was on a night out in my hometown and it was three o'clock in the morning and i was after having five six pints i have no problem walking home because i know exactly where i'm going i know where not to go or you know so yeah, i just i treat it as if i was in dublin like mm. you know is is am i putting myself in danger by making this decision and if you think you are, maybe take a step back and don't do it. Yeah, very similar for me on that one. Uh, do you have any kind of hostel recommendations, places? Uh, obviously, there's quite a lot of hostels in some of these places, but are there any that really stuck out that you'd go back to maybe just for how good the hostel was? I know you said Lost and Found. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, I thought that was uh, really good. If you are staying... Oh, excuse me. If you are staying there, I'd actually give yourself like three, four days, because there is actually a lot to do. Like if you go on like one hike there, chances are it's going to take the day. Like I'm not sure. Did you, did you stay there? I didn't there? stay there. I didn't stay there. No. So if, if you're going on a hike, there's like a like 15 kilometer like loop you can do like up through the jungle. So that's basically a day uh, out of your stay. There's a really nice canyon that you can go to as well. And we went on a weekend and all the locals were like, they had barbecues down like on the canyon and they were cooking up barbecues. We were swimming and things like that. That's really nice. And then there's really nice little towns all around it. So you can just take the day, go for a wander. Um, as well as that, the hostel was really nice and clean, but it was basic. Uh, in Santa Ana, it was called uh, Villa El Camp Villa El Campanario, but the two guys working there, Jorge and his brother, were just like the soundest lads ever. Like they were so nice. So I would go back, um, literally just to spend time with them. I think. <laughs> uh, what What about yourself? In for hostels, I was I was generally like really impressed. I thought. Overall, the cleanliness was pretty good. I tried not to go for the it's yeah. Selena, isn't it? The main the main hostel chain. Uh, yeah, I tried to yeah. I tried to avoid them just because it was a chain. Though in San Jose, I did I started stayed in about four hostels in San Jose because I just wasn't happy in yeah. any of them. <laughs> but I stayed in it in San, San Jose. Uh, but apart from that, in Manuel Antonio, I had a great one. It was called Vista Serena, uh, which had an insane view of the uh, sunset uh, on the Pacific coast of Costa Rica. And the guy okay. running that was good. He arranged like little football matches with the locals, and um, it was only a short bus ride up from the beach. Um, in 
in uh, Guatemala, in Antigua, I stayed in a, another hostel. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. It was, it organised a, it was around the corner from Tropicana, which is like the big party hostel, which arranges yeah. the Acatenango volcano tracks. But I just found it really peaceful. I'll stick a uh, text on the screen. Uh, it was, it was just, it was the perfect hostel to stay in to do Acatenango because it wasn't loud in the evenings yet there was a pub crawl where you could go out if you wanted to and meet other people with massive bathrooms and it was it was pods as beds so you could just get your own privacy uh after the Akatanango hike okay yeah like um did they have like a curtain on them yeah yeah yeah. like the bottom bit was cut out yeah that's it um did did you stay there in no but in uh in mexico uh, myself and ben so one of my friends flew out and met me in Guatemala. So when we were in Mexico, we stayed in Puerto Escondido and it was called Tower Bridge. And that had like really nice bunk beds. Mm-hmm. It had a little curtain and then a shelf with like a charging station. So literally all your stuff could just be left like right beside you when you're sleeping. And uh, I thought that was actually lovely as well. Yeah, because when I look for hostels, the it's three massive things. It's having a shelf uh, by the bed so you could just put your phone on there so you don't have to because I've stayed in so many hostels where you've got to put your phone it sounds like such a tiny issue but it's so annoying having your phone drop off the side of the bed when you kind of need it close to you and your passport uh, yeah. especially when you got to charge loads of stuff uh, for the for the day and also the curtain makes such a big difference it feels like you've got your own kind of mini room uh, loads of them don't have that curtain and you feel like you're just sleeping with three random people that you've spent well <laughs> like two minutes with before you go to bed <laughs> yeah or um like you have to like hang your towel over the edge yeah like block out the light yeah. <laughs> i've done that a few times before. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but one of the hostel i enjoyed was in um playa del carmen again i can't remember the name of it i'll stick it on the screen uh but it was a great vi- great mix of kind of sleeping and also the social life they did stuff basically every day che hostel is what it was which is a chain of hostels down yucatan and uh, it had about five or six but right. they were all really social and you could easily meet people it was just, they, they were a really good chain of hostels and did you stay in uh Lankin in guatemala to do the uh smoke champagne no i didn't do i didn't do so much champagne would you recommend that okay right yeah, no, I did. I was wondering what hostel you stayed in because we stayed in two, and one was, one was about ten minutes away from the, like I don't know what you call it, the the, the pools, I mm. guess, from Smuk Champagne itself, and but it was in the middle of nowhere, so if you wanted to get into town, you had to, like, stand out on the road and just like wave someone down to like, give you a lift, but they all charge you because they know well like. They know what you're doing, so they all charge you for the lift. Um, but then you're forced to like eat there, and then if you stay in Lankeen, that's fine. You can like uh, stay in the town. So we stay in a place called Vista Verde, but there's another one called Zephyr Lodge. I don't know if you've heard of that. Has it got a swimming pool? The big infinity, yeah, yeah. The like infinity pool. I've seen a video of that. Yeah, yeah. So we were across. We were like we could see that from our hostel. So we went over there for like dinner one night, um, but they actually like charge you if you want to use the pool. <laughs> Did they? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard people uh, go in there because it's all on tab at the end, so you just say, I'll oh, charge it to the tab, charge it to the tab. I think if you stay in there, people had like hundreds and hundreds of dollars tab by the end of it. 
uh, just from getting smashed and uh, buying free drinks for other people and stuff. Yeah, that's it. You think it's free? Yeah. Free <laughs> Did you actually? That was it actually the same in uh, the Lost and Found hostel. Was that it's uh, it's on a tab, but they don't have like a massive bar or anything like that. It's like they have this little like snug room and they have beers. So it was actually um, that was actually okay. Mm. And would well, you recommend? Would you recommend so much champagne? Because it's quite well, out the way, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit out the way, but it's good if you're. So if you're going from Antigua to uh, Tikal, um, it's a good it's a good spot to like stop off. Uh, it's it's worth the two three day stay, I think. Um, so we were actually going up. Uh, it was my like twenty first birthday when we were going up oh, there, wow. and uh, my twenty first was actually on like the bus ride. So we stopped off in the bus always stops at McDonald's. So we stopped on the way there and on the way back, we stopped in this like McDonald's and uh, the girls got like told the women that it was my birthday and they came out and started singing Feliz Cumpleaños oh, wow. with, a little, uh, with a little apple pie and it was the most embarrassing uh, happy birthday I've ever received. I looked, They took a video and I was just so awkward in it. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to look. Have you still got but the video? Then, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Might be requesting that one. <laughs> um, and then the next day we uh, we did the Samuk Champagne. So it was actually like really cool. That's how I spent my birthday. So what I wanted to kind of, before we move on to kind of like the solo traveling aspect of it, I was going to ask basically budget and traveling. So what, did you kind of stick to a budget? How did you stick to a budget? And what did you plan to give yourself for each kind of day? Um... So I found it tough to like uh, stick to like a daily budget. So I went more around like the monthly budget, and I was aiming for like between eleven to fifteen thousand um, a month, just because I knew that Panama and Costa Rica were going to be a little bit more expensive, and then it would get cheaper. So I feel like that kind of evened it out over say my five months. Um, doing a daily budget was really tough because some days you know you're just in the hostel free walking tour food and that's it but other days like I did scuba diving so that was like 300 so doing a daily budget for that week was really tough as well as that if you're doing like long bus journeys uh, especially if you take shuttle companies that's another thing that kind of bumps up your your daily budget um, so I found that a monthly budget was uh, a little bit more realistic for my my situation. And did he kind of did he stick to it? Did he spend more than you thought? Or did he spend kind of what you thought you would? Yeah, I sp- I spent uh, kind of what I thought I was going to. Uh, I actually I sold my car while I was away as well. Um, I asked my parents to sell it for me, uh, so that l- allowed me to stay out a little bit longer as well. Um, I think in total for the five months it was six and a half thousand. That's pretty so good. So I went, I, I went like a little bit over, um, but again I didn't hold back on, on doing anything. Like I basically did everything I wanted. Um, I went out a bit more than I probably should have. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't know if you uh, found that a lot of the socialising when I was out was meeting people at other hostels for drinks or like for some reason that just that seems to be the 
the the social scene when you're traveling is a few drinks yeah definitely having done quite a lot of traveling in europe it's all the bar crawls they set up which bring multiple hostels together and then it kind of works from there doesn't it uh yeah no i I spent pretty similar uh you went for double length of me i did two months so i spent i think about two thousand five hundred three thousand dollars uh which considering we both spent kind of the same amount on the flight there is is pretty similar uh it was the the one issue which cost me i think it was about 200 dollars. i crashed a moped in mexico so and and they charged me way way more than they should have but i didn't take insurance so i had to kind of just shell out with that so if i took yeah. that away uh, i i think i was aiming for about 40 50 dollars a day ish uh but again i i think you may as well just go and enjoy it rather than go and be so tight with your budget i went with uh two people who were very very tight and it 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 didn't spoil it for them, but it made it more of a stress than it's worth. Uh, I know they had everyone goes with a budget, so you can travel with basically nothing, and obviously then it's tighter. But I feel I, I feel if you put too much worry and stress on it, it kind of just does ruin the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. Um, yeah, I suppose it really depends. Like, are you going for like an? Are you trying to make your money last as long as possible, or? do you know when you're going to come home and do you know that you're coming back to a job and different things like that? So I suppose, yeah, trying to find people that are in like the same mind frame as you is probably, you know, if you're going out on your own, that's probably the best thing to do. If you do end up traveling with people, you have to kind of think, right, are they, are they just here for eight weeks or are they here for like, are they on like a six week holiday and then they're going back to their full-time jobs like, do they have way more money to, like, blow than me? Or, geez, I actually have quite a bit of money and these people are being uh, extremely, like, frugal and, like, disciplined with their money towards, I kind of want to just have fun. So that's a little bit of a toss-up. Mm, it's, it's, very, to it's find, really difficult on that. Very, yeah, very difficult. Yeah, it's tough to find maybe, like, a middle ground or, like, a common ground. Um, Yeah, how did, how did you find that? See, what I'd say... For, from that for doing quite a bit of solo traveling is if finding people you're in your kind of age group usually works if you find so i'm 20 i'm 22 now i was 21 when i was there i was kind of a university student and if you find other people who are kind of just going to university just left university having a gap year everyone's kind of got the same budget in that range sometimes yeah. you come across 25 26 year olds who like you said have just come out of a full-time job uh the difference couple of years makes between 22 and like 24 25 is pretty big so it's important to get that from early on so you don't get too close to them promise too much and then have to split because of money because that's there's nothing really worse than that yeah i noticed that when i was in when i first landed in panama i was staying in the hostel and it was one fellow was like just on like a two or three week holiday um another girl had like just like left her like full-time job um and another woman was like making money while she was traveling and we went to this like national park and that was grand and then afterwards went for food and they went to this like quite nice like mexican restaurant and i was kind of like i'll just have the uh i'll just have a few little tortillas there and then afterwards i went off and uh got some one dollar empanadas when uh because the, the it was just a ridiculous price, like so. I suppose it's finding a way of doing it without being that obvious. Mm. I guess. Yeah, 
Yeah, uh, and that, I, yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, you can always get the cheapest thing on the menu if you do. It's fine to splash out every now and then, I guess. But you have to, you have to definitely be aware. One thing that took me by surprise in Central America was how expensive the actual restaurants were. Uh, the ones that any tourist could go to with a full time job, and it would just be kind of like a normal price as yeah. like an islander in the UK. Uh, yeah, that wasn't that was an unpleasant surprise. Yeah, you could, if if you wanted to spend money, you could do it very, very easily. Like, especially, like, if you stay in private rooms and hostels, like, they can be, like, 35, 40 quid. Um, if you're going to eat out, if you go to, like, nice restaurants, because they are, like, it's developing, like, quite rapidly. So there are, like, really nice restaurants in a lot of the places, and you could end up spending a fortune if you're not careful. Um we stayed yeah, in one, uh, we stayed in, but we didn't stay, we, we went to a restaurant on the side of a road, it looked, it was basically just a shack, a little hut, it was near Tikal National Park though in Guatemala, uh, yeah. so they just, they exploited the tourists like mad, for some pancakes it was about $10, and it was just normal pancakes, and they were pouring the pancake mix from the shop next door into a pan, Uh it's stuff like that. It's so easy to spend money if you just went off the tourist trail a little bit. Whether you want to do that or not, the prices can drop like tenfold. Yeah, definitely. Where was your worst food experience? I, to be honest, overall, I wasn't actually that impressed with Central American food in Mexico and Guatemala. It was fine. Uh, I enjoy Mexican food, so that was good. Costa Rica yeah. was a hundred percent my least favorite food. Their, their, uh, their food was kind of rice, beans, and a little bit of meat, and that was always the cheapest kind of thing. And I just yeah. wasn't a fan of the taste, like at all. I didn't oh. have any. Well, I d- I did get food poisoning once, but it was mainly just the bland food for three weeks in Costa Rica that forced me to go to burger places and pizza places and just get American food again which is like triple the price. Uh, But to answer that worst food experience question, in Antigua, we went to this little street market, uh, which was really cheap, but they had a vegetable issue that day. Clearly, some lettuce or tomatoes on our food or in our food. Uh, They didn't wash them or wash them in contaminated water. So we all got food poisoning for about a week uh, in Antigua. Uh, So I just wouldn't recommend eating fruit and vegetables and stuff that needs to be washed from street places it's just not worth it, it really isn't yeah if if it is it needs it can't be like fresh it needs to be like cooked mm. yeah i i agree with that um because in oh well it wasn't actually vegetables it was definitely the meat when we were in el paradon in guatemala we went so there was one place that we went to like most nights it was really good and it was really cheap um but that was closed one day. So there was this, like, like a little shack on the side of the road. It was like garden, plastic garden furniture as like the seats and stuff. And then we walked in and we were like, oh, like table four. She was like, yeah, that's grand. And then she dropped like a bit of beef on the ground. And the ground was just like, it was like that, like sandy kind of dust. She picked it up and put it in the sink. And then when we sat down, we were like, "Is she gonna? Is she gonna cook that?" And I'd say we had maybe like half of our sandwiches, and we were like, "Yeah, let's uh, let's let's go." 
that was yeah that was the worst and one of the, uh, Ben I don't think Ben felt too good after that yeah because um, that was probably the worst because you could pass it over and uh, people but from our perspective back back home it's like oh it'd be fine it's just a bit of stomach ache or whatever there's nothing worse than having food poisoning in a hostel there's nothing worse than a shared toilet and not being able to move when all this stuff is outside you want to go and see yeah, I it wasn't food poisoning now, but in Smoke Champagne, you can get sick from the water if you take in too much of it. There's like a bacteria in the water, and so the little like pools that you swim in are fine. They're like separate to the river. There's like the pools are say like lying on top, and then the river runs underneath this sort of like slab of rock. And but after we did like all the caving and pools and tubing and stuff, we went back up to this like waterfall and jumped off that. And the next day, I was so sick. I was on this, like, deck chair for hours, and everyone else went back to the pools, and I was just left in a heap in this deck chair. <laughs> and just got not a lot you can do about it, is there? Oh, you can't move. Like, you're just, like, trying to take in as much water as possible. And, mm. like, because you can't eat, and then you're just, like, getting sick every 10, 15 minutes. It's not, not fun. So we say... <laughs> Uh, eat cheap it is ways to eat cheap you've also got to be very careful with what you actually do eat yeah i would say picking where uh seeing where the locals eat is probably the best uh it's probably the best telltale for like a good restaurant like if you're walking down the road and a place is packed full of local people that's uh generally your your best bet Mm. and then so moving on to kind of transport did you always, obviously there's no trains in Central America, so that is just completely out the window from the start. Yeah. Do you, did you just kind of take buses mainly, or you said you took one flight? Yeah, so I did mainly uh, like local buses. I did in, I took one flight from San Salvador to uh, San Pedro Sula because it was $50, a $50 flight. <laughs> And the length of time it would have taken us to get to basically like the other side of Honduras from where we were, we figured between stopping off for accommodation, food, transport, it, it let's say it would have been basically the same price. So that's why we decided to take the flight. And um, we took two shuttles in, two or three shuttles in Guatemala, because I noticed in Guatemala the shuttles and the public buses are very similar if you're going long distance because the public buses are actually owned by like private companies. Like the, we we were in uh, Lake Atitlan and we needed to get up to Guatemala City and then back out to El Paradon. So we went to like the public buses and your man was like trying to tell us a more expensive price. He was like, oh, it's a... Uh, what did he say? 150 quinsales or um, however much it was. And I was like, there's no way that that is, there's no way that that's right. So I got on the bus and I asked the people sitting on the bus, I was like, how much did you pay to go, how much should I pay to go to Guatemala City? And they were like, oh, uh, 75 quinsales or however much it was. And then I got off the bus and I was just like, 75. And he was like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, like, I don't know if he was going to pocket that or 
Or what the story was. I think well, that there's quite like a lot. Trying to do a ceremony. It's it was silly the difference between the kind of they called it the foreigner price and the local price, and this this is kind of explicit on so many of the tourist walls. It just said foreigner versus, which I understand they want to get more money from us, but by making it so explicit. You, you question it, but then you, you also question it when you hear that, like stories like that. They're trying yeah. to rip you off. Like, I I hadn't experienced that in any other country. No. Especially for public buses. Like, the public bus is the public bus. If it's if it's five euro, it's five euro. But for some reason, when we were in Guatemala, like, taxis are a little bit different because, I don't know, for some reason, they just seem to get away with that sort of stuff. Um but no, for, for the public buses, it was the only place that, for some reason, tried to charge us more because we were tourists. And there are, there are kind of three main ways of getting about Central America, really, on this. So the, the long buses, which is, for example, the one I took, San Jose to Panama City, yeah. those are like Tika bus. It's big bus companies that do kind of long journeys and don't really stop. Then there's private shuttles, which is more expensive. So they're about $40, $50 ish. Uh, and they pick you up from your hotel and then drop you off somewhere else along with the shared group of other people. Yeah. And then there's the chicken buses, which are, which I took one of, but they just looked like a death trap. Did you take any? <laughs> yeah. Most of the time we were, we were traveling by, uh, by chicken bus. Can you sum or, that up? What is a chicken bus? Oh, like the chicken buses are old American school buses, and majority of the time they have these like mad paint colors on them. There could be like stickers of just like random people on the sides of them. The exhausts come like they have like dual exhausts right up to the top, blowing black smoke everywhere. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and they stop every like two minutes. There's people like hanging out the sides, but they're great crack. They're they're so fun. the The only time I was like genuinely scared when I was in one was leaving Lake Atitlan, because you come up through the mountains and it's really like windy. And this guy was absolutely flying it because we'd been held up in traffic. And then Millie or Nettie turned around in the middle of it all and goes. Do you know that five percent of these drive off the edge? <laughs> and I was like, well, "You can't wait until we were like at the end, though." She's like, "And but yeah, other than that, they're they are really good." I was um, going to mention exactly that because we did like lo- local homestay in Guatemala, and we were walking up the hill of Lake Atitlan in this tiny little town. And this chicken bus, like you said, roaring around these corners, and they are they're they're old American school buses, so they're pretty long things. uh, Really long, yeah. Down these tiny roads, and no seatbelts, just like wooden benches with a little bit of cushion on them. (laughs) And how much would you expect to pay for kind of like our journey on one of those? Um. Oh, in, in like in Nicaragua, it was so cheap. It could have been like, I think to get from the border to the turn off for San Juan del Sur was like a euro, and I was on it for maybe like forty five minutes. So, so maybe like one one fifty for an hour or something like something along those lines. So if you tight on budget, that is your that is your method of transport. But would oh, you go yeah, on it? Would you go on it solo? Would you be comfortable doing that? Oh yeah, like um, up until Guatemala, I was basically on my own so I was doing all the all the trips 
solo um you don't p- people say that you need a really good level of spanish to get on them but i don't agree with that that's what turned me off them at the start so when i was in panama i was like walking or taking an uber because i heard that those buses like you need to be really good at spanish but if you tell the driver where you're getting off nine times out of ten he'll like point at you and be like amigo you're this is where you're getting off <laughs> and you're like oh cheers because like you sometimes you don't know where you're getting off all you know is the name of the place like mm. you don't actually know where you are um so that was the case when i was going up to the lost and found hostel he was like oh amigo you're out here and i was like sound yeah because a lot of people you can kind of over plan your trip can't you and you can over overdo it a lot of it is just leaving it to the bus drivers know what they're doing most people want to help you out leave it to fate just to sort itself out you can't if you're gonna chicken bus bus hop hop you can do it it's but you just can't over plan it you just got to let people guide you and make the decisions for you yeah i agree with that or a lot of the times when you're in a hostel you'll meet someone who's traveling to the same place next you know so you could be like oh do you want to do the trip together so that means that if one of us ends up in in bother i mean we're, we're both in it together so <laughs> yeah if, if both of us get stuck in the side of the road at 10 o'clock at night in nicaragua soviet at least there's <laughs> two of us there and not one of us mm. and that brings nicely onto kind of the solo solo aspect of it obviously we weren't we were solo in terms of we didn't know anybody there for quite a few, lot of the time but you meet people so easily, don't you? What would you say to people who, I don't know, they're always waiting on friends to join them, but they never actually turn up, so you just kind of got to go alone. What would you say to those people? Oh, if if you're waiting for your friends to join you on, like, a trip like that, you're going to be waiting years. You're going to be waiting forever, basically. What you need to do is book it and then say, I have booked x flight for such a date and if you want to come that would be great but i'm going regardless and i think that's how because then they're going to be like oh i actually really want to do that so i may actually book it or they're going to be like oh i don't really want to do it and that saves you wasting the next six months you know humming and hawing are they going to come are they not i really want to go because in my experience the only time you're truly alone is if you decide to go on a bus journey by yourself because if you get to a hostel and you sign up for the daily activity or you get put in a six band dorm there's going to be somebody else there that you start talking to yeah 100% so how were you feeling before you fly out to panama as in you didn't you take a stop over at paris how were you feeling during that kind of 12 hour period where you were just completely on your own in Paris, I was actually, so I got, I landed in Paris and I was like, this is grand. And then I got to my gate and I sat in my gate and I was like, I need a passenger locator form for Panama. And I had to fill it out. So I was trying to fill it out and it was not working because I like tried my data, tried connect to the internet and it just wasn't working. And when we were getting ready to board the plane so like everyone was like standing up in line ready to go onto the plane it finally worked and i was able to fill it in so i was pretty nervous at that point but 
other than that, I think it was more like it was so new. It was nearly like a, like a sensory overload. Like all this like new information was coming in and like, oh, I'm completely on my own and like I basically do and go wherever I want. So I don't think it really hit me that I was completely on my own. Like there's there's nobody there really to help. Yeah, and did you find looking back on that first day, you you were panicked so much more afterwards than you were actually before or during it? Because you, you feel, you felt like a you had to be confident just to go out and do it and find the host, first hostel or find the first... It was all about finding the first stuff and then that kind of gave you the the belief that you were like, it was fine. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. So I actually, I had a hotel booked for the first night and after that I had nothing. So when I got to the hotel, I, I, I arrived in Panama late and when I got into the hotel and I just booked... Uh, a hostel for the next two nights and it was actually only around the corner and then once I had that booked it was kind of like just that's that's not that hard you know if I can just repeat that every time I get to somewhere new like I'll eventually make my way up the country yeah <laughs> and that's basically what I did it was like every day or I tried to do it maybe like two days in advance so then when I got to my next hostel Right, I have two nights here, then where am I going? And I was kind of doing it in like two or three day slots. And that's how I, because if you try to do the whole thing, you're undertaking such a big task. You know, it's like if I decided to start running today and I'm like, I have a marathon in three months. Forget about the marathon, try to run about five kilometers. You know, and that's it. Like you take it in like chunks rather than, the whole thing all at once I found that that helped definitely and did you feel uh we we worried about spending the entire thing alone that you wouldn't meet people before you went or did you actually believe you would meet people I'd be quite extroverted and like I nearly talked to the wall but that no I suppose that didn't really uh cross my mind to be fair but if it is something that people worry about I would say like staying in hostels is the best way to do that and signing up for whatever activity they have going on like for anyone that hasn't stayed in a hostel before a lot of the times there'll be like beer pong tournaments or like they'll do pub crawls or it could be darts uh, table football what uh, water polo is that it? like yeah. volleyball in the pool like different things like that just sign up for them and even if you get there and you end up not taking part there's going to be a swarm of people there and they'll just come up and start talking to you yeah definitely and even if you don't have the confidence to to do this to do a massive trip like this first just book a hotel in uh just book hostel in ireland or wherever just a local town just yeah. to prove to yourself that you, it's, it's actually so easy to meet people when you're especially when you're alone it's even easier than if you were with uh, traveling with somebody yeah i agree with that because if let's say if me or you, me and you decided to go to berlin for the weekend chances are if i wanted to say something i'd just turn to you and say it to you but if i had like something on my mind or i wanted to talk about something cool and there was nobody there was nobody that I knew beside me. I just have to say it to a stranger. And the chances are that they also want to say the same thing as well and you end up doing something for the next week. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And uh, you'd be surprised how easily 
people will talk to you. Like it doesn't take a whole lot of uh, communication for them nearly to just like tell their entire life story. And yeah, using that, what what are the best ways you'd say to meet people in hostels are? Apart from all of these different activities and pub quarters and stuff, do you find do you find it easy to talk to people in the rooms? Do you find booking on kind of like day trips is also a way? So if you first get into your hostel and you're going to put your bag down or there's someone there, say, well, how's it going? Uh, my name's Adam, what's yours? And that's literally, and you, you under, people get asked the same questions all the time and there's no problem asking them. It's always like, where are you from? Where have you been? And where are you going? You get so that's, sick of that by the end, don't you? But, know, but <laughs> it's the like, best way. It's literally the best icebreaker. Yeah. It's just, what's your name? Where are you from? Where have you been? And where are you going? And then you could be like, oh, I'm actually going there next. Uh, any recommendations? And then that's, yeah, I think that's like the best way to like break the ice if they're in the room. Um, if someone is sitting down having breakfast in the morning, ask, can you join them? Definitely. No, you know, I, there's, definitely I'd agree with that. There's like different, there's completely different ways. And then if you're on a bus together, same thing. Hi, how are you? Uh, have you been staying here long? Uh, just small questions because people... People quite enjoy to talk about their experiences. I mean, like, that's what we're doing now. Mm. Like, you're talking about, like, things you've done, uh, things you want to do. And, yeah, if you can just, like, ask questions, I think that's the best way to to get to know people. And overall, kind of looking back on, look, looking back on the trip, what, has it changed you that five months in Central America has it made you appreciate anything more because a lot of people go away and they think oh I'm going to be life changed I'm going to do all of this I personally never really get that but it does make you appreciate certain stuff and change certain bits about your home life but what is the big advantage what's the big change you've seen from those five months because five months is a is a pretty long time yeah like like you were saying there like I haven't like necessarily like what you say found myself for <laughs> anything like that you know like people say like i'm gonna go find myself um it was more like oh like i wake up every morning and i don't have to worry about where i'm sleeping tonight oh what happened there no hello i don't know what happened to my computer there (laughs) um um yeah it's more like waking up in the morning and being like i know where i'm sleeping tonight and like I know I can go downstairs and just like open the fridge and have something to eat. It's like more of the small stuff. Or I have more than five T shirts that I have to wear. And like you don't have to worry about getting it washed every like few days. But also like how big the world is, but at the same time, because of like the internet, now it's like ridiculously small. Definitely. You know? Yeah. Like we we happen to be in the same place, uh, like roughly around the same time. Like we never met each other, but you just came across my video and decided to shoot me a text. Again, like I met uh, two girls in Panama, uh, Nettie and Millie, and I was in London three weekends ago with them. So it's like you build like really cool connections with people, and they're literally from all over the world. Yeah, I think I think that is the best part having 
you have so many you can have so many contacts with people from all around the world and you see that you then they see their lives you only meet them for a couple of days maybe but you see what happened before what happened after and you can kind of just keep in contact and see how similar people's lives are is insane for me i couldn't believe even uh, meeting locals how how their, their lives are pretty similar to ours in terms of their comfort their obviously they they might have different backgrounds different amount of money but the areas they live in are actually pretty similar they have a decent standard of life way better than i thought they would do in central america especially in kind of guatemala where you get a, you get a pretty negative impression of it from the media but people are yeah. genuinely fine and happy and healthy and uh, I think that was the thing that made me appreciate it, that the world, as you say, is, is actually much better and smaller than, than you think it is. Yeah, one thing that, like, really struck me was in El Salvador, people, like, are coming up to you and they're, like, there's just, like, random people. It'd be like walking up for a coffee and someone stopping you in the middle of the road going, where are you from? And you're, like, oh, Ireland. And everyone thinks you're from Holland because... <laughs> You get Irlanda, and then it's Olanda in Spanish. <laughs> um, so they all think I'm from Holland, but they're like, are you enjoying my country? And if you want good food, here's where you can go get good food. And just like generally how welcoming and helpful they were, like really, it, it was actually astonishing because I can't imagine it happening in Ireland like that, even though I would say Irish people are quite friendly. I can't imagine them just like stopping a random person in the street to ask them how's their day going and i think that as that is summed up i looked through a few of your videos and the comments a lot of people from guatemala honduras el salvador are so they want to portray a good image of their country and they've commented loads on my guatemala video saying like welcome to guatemala hope you had a great time i looked through i think it was your honduras one where just loads and loads of local people actually want to get positive positive image about their country uh, and it's funny because the, the comments of YouTube videos do a pretty good representation of that. Yeah, and actually one thing was actually, I was reading the comments and one was like, I don't know, it's quite upsetting. One lad is saying, I live in California and I've always been ashamed of saying that I'm from Honduras because of the bad reputation that it gets. Um, But thanks very much for showing and speaking kindly about my country and i just thought like imagine imagine someone saying like imagine me being like ashamed to be to say that i'm from ireland because of the negative uh, portrayal that it gets in the media like i can't imagine what that's what that's like yeah i know and i think that's that was probably a really good thing to end on that that the places that you do travel to in Central America don't get good rap, but it is actually genuinely the people there are pretty lovely. Mainly, like ninety eight percent of people, as you were saying before, are just perfectly fine. You never come across. Did you have any? Yeah. Did you have any like bad bad experiences? No, no, I, I, gen- genuinely, I, I didn't genuinely either. None. No, um, I got offered oral sex in a Guatemalan bathroom by a man, but that was. <laughs> That was the only the only weird thing that happened. <laughs> so it's not actually that much of a uh, a terrible thing, is it? Seeing as <laughs> seeing as what you hear. <laughs> oh dear. No, no, it's a bit. Uh, the, the things like, look, people do get robbed and people do get like intimidated and things like that. But that can happen anywhere. I would say don't let something like that 
stop you from visiting these countries. And there's, there's, we've both done it solo. There's thousands and thousands of other people that have done this route, whether, he, whether they've done it from Panama to Mexico, Ma- Mexico to Panama. Then they're completely fine. Uh, and don't let, as you say, just I wouldn't let, let, uh, let anybody put you off it. Yeah, I agree with that, 100%. So great. Uh, I don't, how do I end it? Do I just... <laughs> how do you end the conversation? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, this is actually, this is really good. Um, do you have anything planned for the future? I would love to do Southeast Asia next summer. Um, right. I've, I've, my main aim, I took a year off last year. I wanted to complete all of Europe and I'm almost there. I'm a two or three countries off, uh, Jesus. which was it's been my aim for about five or six years. Uh, and so I really want to go to Southeast Asia, which was meant to do as you were uh, in March. Uh so that's kind of my aim of next year, saving up for that and finishing university. What about you? Sweet. Um, I have Australia in January. Uh, I have a two-week stop in Indonesia first, and then I'm flying to Brisbane. Lovely. What, on like a study abroad? Uh, not study abroad, like working working visa? Yeah, working holiday visa. So I have a year, and then after my year, I plan either South america or southeast asia just depending on money and stuff like that so videos to come on that yeah 100 <laughs> percent. that's what i like to hear um for anyone listening maybe like from my end where can they like find your instagram or youtube yeah things like that youtube uh just ollie potts o-double-l-i-e-p-o-t-t-s uh so i've done recent videos on the kind of arctic i went up to the northern norway uh, i've done central america obviously and then way more videos from all my european adventures to come uh my journey to every european country so so that should be a good series and um, what about you yeah uh yeah i'm duffin adam on basically everything d-u-f-f-i-n and then adam apart uh, from your email yeah, <laughs> yeah apart from my email, my email <laughs> the other way uh, but um yeah, uh, Central America, um, a little bit of Europe and a little bit in Ireland. Uh, hopefully a lot more to come in the future. Nice. But yeah, it's been a, a pleasure chatting to you, man. You too, we could go on for hours. <laughs> yeah, definitely could. Great, well, see you later. Right, take it easy, man. Cheers. Bye-bye.